0: Great to be thinking about God's faithfulness. We're going to see why that ties in in just a moment when we get into Exodus. Well, have you ever been discouraged? Uh, Yep, everyone's nodding their heads. They have been discouraged. Uh, Have you ever been discouraged with God? It's a good question, isn't it? Have you ever been discouraged with God? Have you ever, maybe you're a teenager, maybe the guy's in the corner here, Uh, you've decided to follow Jesus, Uh, you've gone to school and your friends know that you're a Christian and every now and then they just give you that little bit of a rib, ah, you're a wussy Christian, you know, you goody two shoes, you, the kids say that to you, you know, yeah, fair dinkum, come on, who'd ever believe in that? And then, you know, the teachers know that too and then when you step out of line they say, but I thought you were a Christian. Oh, there you are, and you're praying hard about your subjects, and you're trying to get past, and you get through, but you're still not passing, and you've been praying really, really hard about that good-looking girl on the other side of the room, and she still doesn't take notice of you, do you get discouraged with God? Maybe you're a family. Maybe you've decided that as a family, you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to live for Him. Uh, you're going to be uh, on fire for Him. But then suddenly you start to get sick and uh, things go wrong and your kids are getting sick and you're getting sick and things just aren't working out for you. They're not going the way that they should have done. Maybe yeah, and you're praying, but things are still not going as great as you'd like as a family. Do you get discouraged with God? Maybe you're a business person and you've got your own business and you've decided that I'm going hard in the business and I'm going to give more to God because I can be... If I'm good at this and things go well, I can be prosperous with this and I can give more to God. Uh, But then the website crashes. People aren't turning up to buy the stuff that you wanted to buy. You know, you're working hard, but you're praying about it. Do you get discouraged with God? Well, I think we all do at times, don't we? We get discouraged with Him. We think, what on earth is going on? What are you doing, God? How does this fit together? What, what, what is happening? Well, how can we fight discouragement? How can we fight against that? What has God said to us and what has God revealed to us that enables us to fight discouragement? Well, that's what I'm going to be thinking about today as we head into Exodus uh, chapters 5 through to 10. Whew! big effort today. We're going to be uh, covering a whole lot of ground, uh, but we're going to be thinking about that. How do we fight discouragement? We're going to be looking at Moses. We're going to be seeing how he comes to Pharaoh and we're going to be thinking about what happens there and then how God reveals to him how to fight discouragement and then God willing he'll reveal that to us and we together can fight discouragement as well. Uh, so we're going to read uh, from the Bible, Matthew, Matthew, Exodus chapter 5. Uh, if you go to Bibles, open up with us. We're going to be working a fair chunk of the Bible today, so we're going to be reading two bits, a bit out of chapter 5, a bit out of chapter 6, and I'll be showing you some stuff uh, from 7 to 10, Uh, but we're going to be looking at that together, and Betty's going to come up, she's going to read the first bit for us, and that uh, verses, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5.
1: Bricks without straw. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices the lord our god or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword but the king of egypt said moses and aaron why are you taking the people away from their labor get back to your work then pharaoh said pharaoh said look the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working
0: Well, uh, if you remember where Pharaoh's at at this point in time, where Moses is at, sorry, at this point in time, uh, he's grown up, we've heard all the, put him in the water, he's been saved by uh, Pharaoh's daughter, but then he's uh, left there, he's gone into Midian, he's been there for 40 years, God has spoken to him out of the uh, burning bush, which we did all last week, and then within that we saw that he had a whole lot of uh, excuses as well, didn't he? Uh, he was giving all these excuses. God told him to go into Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And Moses said, Hang on, God, not me. Five times he tried to get all these excuses together to not go and do that. Right to the point at the end, he says, Send anyone else but me, Lord, anyone else but me. But God says to him, No, you're my man. And he sends him. And and he goes and he gets to to Egypt and he starts to have some really positive stuff. If you see at the end of chapter 4, the people listen to him, the elders listen to him, they get on board, thinks, right, this is looking good, this is going right, maybe God is going to do what he promises to do, maybe God can do what he says he's going to do. And so he thinks he's got all the confidence in the world and so he goes to Pharaoh He thinks rather than a timid cat, he's a lion. He may have a slightly different view of himself. He's got all the confidence in the world and he goes to Pharaoh and he thinks, God's on my side, so this is going to be simple. This is going to happen, no worries. I'm going to tell Pharaoh what's going to happen and bang, the people are going to be released. What happens? That doesn't happen, does it? Uh, Look at what happens. He goes and he tells Pharaoh very confidently, look, Pharaoh, get rid of the, you know, let my people go. I've got God on my side. And Pharaoh says, What God? He says in verse 2, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? I don't know your God. I'm God here. Who's your God? He's got a right to tell me what to do, he says. Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Pharaoh says, "Ha ha! You think your God's going to do it? I don't know your God. How should I know your God? I'm God around this place, guys. I'm not going to let your people go. This gives us a little bit of a hint about the big story in the first next five chapters we're going to see. Because the big story as we work out through 5 through to chapter 10 where we see uh, the plagues is Pharaoh versus God. We're going to see that. That's the very first hint we see, don't we, that Pharaoh thinks, who's this God like? I'm God around here. Well, Moses would have taken a little bit of a hit to, the, uh, to his confidence there. Uh, but he goes on, doesn't he? So he says, then he said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness of the sacrifice of the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with a sword. So now he's clarified a little bit who this God is. It's the Lord. He's our God. And if you don't toe the line, Pharaoh, then things are going to come bad for you. What does Pharaoh do? Moses thinks, right, got him now. I've hit him with who God is. I'm going to tell him he's going to be in trouble if he doesn't. What does Pharaoh do? But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? He says, man, no way are you going. Actually, I'm going to make it even harder for you. I'm going to make it even more difficult for you. And when you go on in the rest of the chapter, uh, Pharaoh says, well, these Israelites, they're They're lazy. They're lazy. They're lazy. And so he takes away the straw and makes it even more difficult for them. Imagine what Moses would be thinking then. God, what is going on? You told me I'm the man. You told me that if I go, it's going to happen. I've got your power. Where's your power? Where's your promises, God? How come you're not fulfilling your promises? What on earth is going on here? Because look what they say. If you jump to the end of the chapter you see in verse 19 the Israelites, the overseers, the people who are overlooking uh, the workers they get very discouraged. The Israelites overseers realise that they are in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you of each day. When they left Pharaoh they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them and they said may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. They're not happy, are they? They are absolutely discouraged. God, what on earth are you doing here? It's got worse for us, not better for us. And Moses jumps on board, doesn't he? Look at verse 22. Moses says, He returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you've sent me? He's turned the corner now, not that he's been sent to actually release his people, but actually to make it worse for them, he thinks what are you doing, God? He cries out to God, doesn't he? He cries out to God. He you notice that God actually doesn't condemn him for this. God doesn't actually come in and whip him and smack him around the ears and say, you idiot, why are you complaining like this? You're going to see in a minute what God does. But we can cry out to God. We can speak to him when we feel that pain, we feel that discouragement. We can cry out to him. Jesus on the cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is, the Son of God on the cross cries out to God. They want to be saved, they want to be released. What's God going to do? Will he keep his promises? Will he release his people? How do we fight discouragement? Well, look at what God does. Chapter 6. Betty, do you want to come up and read the next eight verses for us, please? It's good to see you there.
1: Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the
0: Lord. What does God do? God reminds Moses of his promises. Have I just turned myself off, Mick? I'm back on. God reminds Moses of his promises. Uh, He goes through and shows him who he is, doesn't he? He says that I am Uh, the Lord, I am the Father, I am the God of Jacob, I am your God. Then he reminds him that he hears and he sees and he comprehends what God is doing. God knows what's happening on the ground. He isn't abstract from it, he isn't distant from it, he knows what's going on and he feels that and he is about to step in. And then he shows them and he uh, outlines to Moses what he is about to do. Notice in that passage all the I wills are from verse six onwards I will bring you out from under slavery, I will free you from being slaves, I will take you as my own people, I will be your God, I will bring you to the land, I will give it to you as a possession. God is promising that he will rescue his people, that he will fulfil his promises to his people. He says that I will take you and I will liberate you from slavery. I will redeem you to be my people. I will take you to be my people. I will adopt you to be my family. I will bring you into my kingdom. I will take you to be my people and for you to be my people. And I will give you a land, an inheritance that will go on for eternity or forever for these guys. God will do this. When Moses is discouraged, God reminds him of his promises and that he will keep his promises. You see, uh, Pharaoh is really trying to set himself up as God. He's actually being the anti-God in this whole picture, isn't he? Uh, He's uh, first of all told us that he's, who's this Lord? I don't know that Lord. I'm the only Lord around. I'm the only God. Uh, And then he's actually about anti-creation. He's actually trying to destroy what God has made. He's trying to destroy God's people. He's trying to destroy what's going on. He's anti-blessing and he's anti-life. He doesn't like the fact that the Israelites are growing in number and he wants to kill them off and not have them round. Whereas God is pro-life and pro-blessing and he will not stand for the fact of what Pharaoh is doing. And so the picture we get here is God has outlined in black and white what He's going to do. He's got this plan. He's going to work it out. We see it in black and white. We'll see, in a sense, as it grows throughout the rest of Exodus, how He will keep His promises. And then we get into colour. We see the colour, actually, when we get to the New Testament. And then we get the final picture when we get to Jesus. Because when we get to Jesus, we realise all those I wills are I have. Notice that? I have liberated you from slavery and bondage to sin. I have redeemed you in Jesus. I have adopted you into my family. I have brought you into my kingdom and I have an eternal kingdom for you. It's a great blessing, isn't it? God has done what he promises to do to the Israelites. In part, we see that happen as they get into the... A promised land, but we see it in full when we get to Jesus. The full blown picture is seen in him. That's where God keeps his promises, ultimately. How do we fight discouragement? We remember God's promises. Well, not only do we remember God's promises, but we remember God's actions. You see, from here on, from chapter seven onwards. Um, we see uh, the, the plagues. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the plagues, and you might think, well, isn't that the key part of Exodus? Well, in one sense, it's not really the key part of Exodus. It's part of what happens. Uh, the Exodus, the key part of Exodus, is actually God fulfilling His promises and gaining His people, gathering them to be His people, of which the plagues are part of that process. Uh, and they're pretty amazing, aren't they? Uh, if you read and uh, you watched the movie, The Exodus, uh, It blows you away when you actually see all the plagues and how they all operate. And in one sense, uh, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to blow you away and go, wow, God is amazing. But in another sense, uh, we can't literally bring them straight to us, can we? They're not literally significant to you and I because we're not Israel in a foreign land. We don't have a Pharaoh over us and God doesn't operate that way these days. And so in one sense, we can't just go and say, well, how to we understand this and just look at all of them in detail, but we do want to see what they mean on the big picture, don't we? Because on the big picture, they are the battle between God and Pharaoh, who is the one true God. Is it Pharaoh or is it God? Pharaoh thinks he can control it, and when one one plague comes. He brings his uh, diviners and they all come in, but they try and they actually reproduce it. So he says, No, I'm not going to let him go. And that happens a couple of times, but then it gets really bad for Pharaoh and he can't reproduce the plagues. And then he says, Oh, I'll let him go. Then I won't let him go. Then I will let him go. Then I won't let him go. He thinks, No, but I'm God. But no, God, he's, he's conflicted, isn't he? All the way through. This God, but I'm God. How can, no, I'm going to fight him all the way. He hardens his heart, God hardens his heart. It's a battle going on between God and Pharaoh. Who's going to win? Who is the more powerful? We're going to see the winner next week. But there's this battle going on, isn't there? And so we can look at that and we can see God ultimately is more powerful than Pharaoh because he's the one true God. And you notice that when... uh, God speaks to Moses and he gives his promises. He says, so that you know that I am God so that the nations will know that I am God. You see, that's what he's picturing, isn't he? We're seeing there is only one true God. Pharaoh isn't but God Yahweh is. He is the God who has the power. He is the God who has the victory. And we can look back on that and see his actions, can't we? But we have an even better picture, don't we? Because we can look back and see the actions of God on the cross in Jesus. You see, in one sense, the battle of the plagues is a very small battle in one sense, but the battle on the cross is the ultimate battle. It's the battle between sin and death and Satan over our God. It's a battle. Will God win? Will God keep his promises that he will love us and redeem us and adopt us and bring us into his family for eternity? And we see that Jesus dies. People are discouraged. But then he rises again. And people are encouraged and worship God and go to live for him. We can look at that, can't we? The one true God. Because God is in control of salvation, isn't he? You know, Pharaoh thinks he's in control. Moses even thinks maybe he's the one that gets it. But ultimately, it's God who brings his people out of Israel. It's God who wins. It's not Moses. It's not Pharaoh. God is in control of salvation. How do we fight discouragement? We fight discouragement by firstly remembering God's... Oh, what did we do there? There we go. By remembering God's promises. That's how we fight discouragement. That's when we're feeling down, when we're wondering what on earth is going on around us, Lord, where we come back to His promises, that He will and has redeemed us, that He has adopted us that He has given us His Spirit within us, that He is for us, not against us, that He does have a plan for us and He does want us to become more and more like Jesus and He does want us to reach this world for Him and He does want us to impact this world and change this world and help transform this world with Him. And He's in that with you. And when we feel like God's against us, no, He's actually with us, upholding us and taking us through that he wants to bring us out the other side as people who are more like Jesus through that. And we don't know the big plan, do we? But he does. The Israelites would have been thinking in the middle of all this, "Wow, God, this is not going to happen, this is not working. But they didn't know the big plan. God knows his plan for you and I too. So we need to remember his promises. But we also remember his actions, don't we? Throughout the rest of the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, the Exodus period is one of the main acts of God that God reminds his people about continually. Because it's a big picture, it's a small picture that reflects of the ultimate picture. It's a picture of God's actions to redeem his people, to save his people, to bring his people out that is seen ultimately in Jesus. And we see that as it comes through that God wants to bring us to the full bone picture of Jesus, not just the black and white of what's happening in the Exodus. So when we're discouraged, we can look back on God's actions, can't we? We can look back to the Exodus and see that God is God. God does fulfill His promises. We can look back to the cross and we see that God does fulfill His promises. He will save us and He does save us and He will redeem us and He does redeem us. And then we can look back onto our own lives too, can't we? Of God's actions in our lives. Sometimes I think we forget that when we're in the middle of discouragement, don't we? We think, oh, what's going on here? But if we look back and see how God's hand has been part of all that story, we're amazed at what God has done. We're in the middle of discouragement. It sort of just tightens in on itself and we get very navel-gazing and into this one little bit. But God wants us to lift our eyes and look back and see what He's done in our life as well. And he wants us to lift our eyes and have a look at what he's done in other people's lives as well. That's why I love going to South Grafton. Sometimes you're in the middle of everything that's going on and you think, oh, what's going on, Lord? Is this you know? And you think, what's going on? Is the gospel hitting people? Are people being changed? And then you go to the story of South Grafton and you go, yes! God is changing people. Such an encouragement, isn't it? See how God is working in other people's lives. Because God is a God who keeps His promises. God is a God of action. And God is a faithful God. Throughout the whole of Exodus, when we get to the end of it, we're going to see that God is faithful, true and true, all the way to the end. And you and I can know that even more clearly. Because God is faithful in Jesus to you and me forever. That helps us fight discouragement, doesn't it? And helps us take our hands out of our head, our head out of our hands, and our hands into praise. Because God is a faithful God. We're going to play a song by Chris Tomlin, and a bit of a click that I think will uh, encourage us in that as well. you, but uh, that grabs me when I hear that song and I think, let faith arise. Our God is a faithful God. Remember his promises, remember his actions, because he wants your faith to arise and be solid for him, to live for him. Let's sing about our great Redeemer,
1: Jesus our my Redeemer.
0: Glory to